Today I want to talk about going back to the future. The scripture I want to lead off on is Jeremiah 6. And um, Jeremiah 6, verse 16. And I'm going to read it, and I think that it will it'll set the tone for where we're going today. It's a, it says, stand in the ways and see. Ask for the good, the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. And I like the ESV. I think the ESV is the absolute best translation of the Old Testament, the truest, purest. And it's, it's a little better. I should have read that. But Jeremiah 6, 1, 6, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. And I wanted to talk about this, 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 this concept of going back to the future as the images of God, knowing Him as we did, even before time and space. The ancient past, the ancient way that we're called to walk in, that we're called to manifest the kingdom in this life. And there's something so true and so pure about walking in your true identity. Someone who's created in the image of God with so much love and distinction and intention and purpose, who is designed by God for a specific purpose a very, very ancient long time ago that will fulfill that purpose in the here and now, manifesting who He is in the earth. And this is the ancient way. This is the ancient walk. It's something that um, sometimes I talk about when you receive a revelation a lot of times from the Lord, it feels like a memory more than it does something new. It's like, I knew that. I've always known that. And there's a reason things feel this way. Because Ephesians 1 says, we were literally in Him before the foundations of the earth. Amen. You know? And, you know, you know, theologians you know, will talk about what that means, whether that was in his, in his mind, in His intention. You know, God's outside of time and space, but... You know, what it truly means is that inside of Him we existed before this place. And the plans and purposes that He had for us, for us to manifest Him in the world, were already put into our very DNA. The very things that are the desires of our heart were put there, sown in there, if you will, by Him. And when we walk with Him and we know Him and we're true to ourselves, which is walking as our dad, like walking in his image, we find the most fulfilling things in our heart coming to pass because he's made it that way. And so first things first, I wanted to start off for us as Christians. Speaking of Independence Day and walking in true freedom, there's, there's no more freedom than that. Walking in the ancient paths calls you to find rest for your souls. Walking in your true identity causes this, this attitude, position of rest for us to walk in toward the yoke is easy, the burden is light. Man, they sang my message several times today through their ad-libbing, their freestyle flows and all this stuff. I was like, this is great. But Jesus, the identity of God, I think there's nothing more important for us as people who are creating the image of God with the purpose and destiny of imaging God than to actually know who He actually is. The veil is being removed so we see Him accurately, and by doing so, we reflect and manifest who He is in the world. 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? But our beginning, first things first, is that Jesus is God. 
Jesus actually is God. What? Yeah. The most profound, the most, most profound truth that I found the majority of Christians don't actually believe or think fully. And it's like, er? You know? But that Jesus is God. Not little G. Not little G God. But he's actually God. And this is how our Bible starts. This is how the, our new covenant, the one who knew him best, who saw him glorified on earth and then saw him in heaven. John, the beloved, who, who laid on him, leaned up against him at dinner, starts our, our genesis, if you will. Our, our starting point in this walk is John 1. And John 1 is Genesis 1. And if you look at it, in the beginning was the Word, who's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John is saying, Jesus is God, y'all. If he was from Texas, he'd say, y'all. Um, <laughs> Jesus is actually God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. See, this is, you know, Genesis 1. We, we, we read Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, the creator, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and divided the light from the darkness. So if the light was good, what was the darkness? Not good. Yeah, the opposite. Evil. Bad. But that's our Genesis. That's our Old Testament Genesis. In the beginning was God. And He was the Creator. He said, let there be light. And then He divided light, which was good, from darkness. Now John comes the closest to the Lord. Sees him glorified on the mountain. Walks through the cross with him. The only one who stayed with him through the cross. Son, your mother. Mother, your son. You know, at the, at the very end, he was the only one there. Gets shipped off to Patmos because they couldn't kill him. They could not kill John. They tried. They tried to boil him in oil. They could not kill him. So they mailed him to Patmos, like uh, uh, Australia. They sent him over there with the criminals. To where he has the book of Revelation happen to him. What we know is the book of Revelation. He sees Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I was actually dead, but I'm alive. Like, wait, you're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the Ancient One. You're the Ancient of Days. You're both there and there. And, and wait a second, my head's about to explode. I'm about to die. Falls on the ground like a dead man. And Jesus says, "Hey, it's okay, buddy." Didn't say buddy, but that's my that's my uh, that's my terminology. He might have touches him. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I was dead, but I'm you know what I'm saying. It's like I'm actually I'm him. Like Odell Beckham, I am him, but real. God, I am Him. Jesus, I'm Him. I'm that. I'm Him. John comes back and writes the book of John. In my professional opinion, I believe it was written after Revelation. But he comes back and writes that, and he starts John as the genesis of Christianity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was actually with God and was God. He was with God in the beginning. Hey, listen, by the way, this guy that we've seen, that we've touched, John 1, we've been around, that we know his essence, we know his personality. We knew him here, you know, the early years. But before this, he was with God, and he was God. 
All things were made through him, and without him, nothing that was made was made. That's verse 2 of John. I'm sorry, that's verse 3. So there we have the book of Genesis. In the beginning, it was with God, and God was the creator of all things. Then we have the book of John, our Genesis, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was the creator of all things. Jesus created everybody and everything. All things that were made were actually made through Him. Like, wait a second. No, 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 no. That's the Father, not the little G, not the little G, not the baby Jesus, not baby Jesus, Ricky Bobby, not baby Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus is God. Before Abraham was, I am. You're not even 50 years old, those Pharisees told him. You're not even 50 years old. What are you talking about? You don't know your mom. You don't know your dad. You're a bastard son. That's what they told him. Like, you don't even know your dad. Like, no, no, before, before Abraham was, I am. I walked up on Abraham. I walked up on Abraham, sitting at the side of his tent. Yeah, I, before he was, I am. In the beginning was the word, and words with God. This is the best news I've ever heard. Be because I was afraid of the bipolar God. Yeah. The one who's frightening, the judgmental, the one who's good thing baby Jesus held big, big G God back because he wanted to pour the wrath on us. But said, please forgive them. Yeah. No. No, John's saying no, guys. No. He came by stealth. If the rulers of this world would have known who he was, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. He kept his identity secret, but he manifested himself the entire time. He was the word, the expression of God. Constantly. And those who knew it. Those who recognize it, the centurion, you just say the word and he'll be healed. I've got servants under me. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. You just say the word. Jesus is like, wow. I haven't seen this great faith in Israel. It's like he recognized past the Jewish rabbi. People who recognize him. Yeah, even, even the little, even the dogs eat the crumbs. Even the dogs eat the crumbs. It's just like, oh, I'm not just for Jewish people. I'm for you too. You recognize that. You dogs better. Listen. People who recognize him. He feels good, doesn't he? His essence, his person. This is your God. This is Jesus. Hey, by the way, rule number one, the first thing about what we're going to talk about today and, and, and the genesis of Christianity is Jesus is actually God. The genesis. In the beginning was God. He created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. And he divided light from the darkness. We flip over to John. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Yes, He was the Creator. It's the same as Genesis. It's the same as Genesis. And verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Yeah, dude. It's the exact same as Genesis 1, man. This is where we must start. We must see this. It's the most crucial and vital and important thing that we can possibly see in our life is the identity of the one who we're supposed to be imaging. You wonder why there's a lot of, you know, I'll just say, uh, not in a mean way, but yeah, kind of in a, uh, uh, yeah, so denominations and things that they, they, they keep this, this, this divisive bipolar Godhead approach to things. They stay with it, and, and, and they're known as being rude, judgmental, and harsh to other people. But many of them, it's not their fault. That's the God that they, they perceive through their veil. If God's that way, then that's how you manifest to other people. Yeah. What's our job? To manifest the true God. Amen. The imagers. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. It sounds so easy, but it's as easy as seeing them. We're the only, the only religion where we are transformed by what we behold. Second Corinthians 3.18. As we, as we see them, without the veils, without these misconceptions, we're transformed into the same image from glory to glory. 
No, it's like, no, it's how much knowledge you have or how many works you do. It's like, no, no, no. It's the more you actually see him as he is. And that's why I will probably never stop talking about this for the rest of my life. Because the enemy's done such a good job of projecting God as the accuser. He's come to convict you of sin. It's like, that's not the way John 16 is written. That's, that's actually out of context. And that's one verse. And we've taken that to champion the role of the Holy Spirit in people's life. But in, in reality, you know, that's not what's going on. Romans 5. Through one man's transgression, sin entered the world. All became sinners. So now we have this identity like, well, I'm just a sinner. Say by grace, we're all sinners. It's like, no, dude. Through one's transgression, we all became sinners. If we became sinners, then we weren't. That's not what our identity truly is at its core. We're the image of God, the sons and daughters of the king. You know what I mean? And we forget the second portion of Romans 5, 18, where it says, but through one man, the reverse happened to everybody. Well, wait, they got to say the sinner's prayer, brother. Amen. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself. You know what? I don't see that in there. But listen, let's not offend too many people. I'm, just, I'm not saying that right now. Hell's a real place, I believe, or at least a dimension. Uh, and it's a choice. And some people will choose not to, you know. <laughs> That's that backup, you know, that garbage truck. Hey, just back the truck up for a second and come back here. You know what I mean? That's not any notes. I drank some black tea today. Yeah, I've been off caffeine and bought that coffee, but I, your boy had some tea this morning. I ran a big long run this morning, so yeah, I had to, you know, hey, so what are we, what are we saying? So, so John, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness doesn't comprehend. Hey, if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't comprehend, they didn't realize who he was, but they also couldn't overcome him. God said, let there be light, so it said that it was good. It's like, hey, knock, knock, God, good, light. The rest, bad, evil, not actually of God. God's not bipolar. That's it. That's the one. He's the one. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. It's like, he's the one. John's saying, Jesus, he's the one. There's no God behind Jesus' back. It's not like a meeting. Are we going to accept them or not? Please accept them, guys. Holy Spirit's on the fence. He gets him, he gets him on his side. So sorry, Father. Sorry, savage, pagan father. You know, bloodthirsty father. You know what I mean? We're going to forgive him. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, like, it's a crazy mentality that Jesus came popping every, everywhere he went. Destroying that mentality of who God was. He's the image of God. There's no variance or shadow in God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you know, he talks to Philip. It's like this, this mentality of who God is, John is actually laying it down. This is our genesis. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world didn't know him. He's talking about Jesus. The creator was actually walking around, and they didn't, we didn't recognize who he was. He became flesh and dwelt among us. We brought out his glory. The glory of the only, the monogenes. It's not begotten like birthed. The only one of the kind son of God. The only, the only distinct. There was something different about him than all the other sons of God. All the other gods of the Old Testament. All these other things. Like they're, 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 He's different. There's a reason. It's Yahweh in the flesh. The embodiment of Yahweh. The embodiment of God. He actually doesn't have multiple personalities. Father, forgive them. It's not Jesus holding back the Father's wrath from you. You know what I mean? 
It is, it is the full agreement of God himself, Father, Son, Spirit. You know, it's the full agreement of everything that is God pronouncing the forgiveness that I refuse to hold this against them. You know, if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never killed him. No way, Jose. Yeah, he doesn't have multiple personalities. God doesn't. There's not a disagreement in Father, Son, you know, in the Spirit of God who's in, you know, there's... There, it, it, the Lord is one. He does not have these multiple personalities, this syndrome that we, on earth, we literally call it an actual mental <laughs> syndrome, you know what I mean? Schizophrenia or something, these multiple personalities. But the thing is, he doesn't have these personalities and neither do his true sons and daughters. But to the degree that they believe these lies about who he is, their person is spliced. And we're not consistent. And we're not safe to the world who we're supposed to be actually projecting God to. Amen. And so we hear all these things, identity, it's a big catchphrase in the church, especially in the religious system. You know what I'm saying? So it's a big catchphrase, but it is super important. But we have to understand that identity is directly linked to the one who's created us, who we're beholding, whose image we were actually created in. And that's why this is so important. Point number one of the day is like we actually know who he is. That's what John is saying. He was in the world like we we bore witness of him. <laughs> you know, what I mean, we've actually handled him. We've handled him. We've touched him. Of his fullness, we've all received grace for grace. Like what? Wait, what do you mean? We received the fullness of God. It's been poured out to us. No, we're, we're having an intercession meeting, crying for an outpouring of the Spirit. Lord, Amen. It's like no, no. That was a couple thousand years back. He's given this to us. There's no more of this yearning. It's, it's something that we believe and we walk out. And if our mind disagrees, we take those thoughts captive and then we renew that thing until this is our reality fully lived in the here and now. And true disciples bear fruit. True followers actually connect other people to the Lord. In their life, there are disciples. It's not go create disciples. Let's go tell people they're sinners. Like, okay, so we've, we've, kind, of, we've kind of broken that out of, the, out of the game here, right? So it's, it's, it's not that. It's we're walking in a wholeness and a connection of, of our true identity, which our true identity is the beloved of God. Yeah. The complete, totally covered of God. Beloved, accepted by God. We haven't received the spirit of bondage. We've, we've received the spirit, Romans says, hey, literally, it, it says, we've received the spirit of total acceptance by whom we cry out. Of, of, of total acceptance. Like, what? What do you mean total acceptance? Like, yeah, like this. It, it stands. Forgiven. Free. Paid. There's no more religious hoops to jump through. That's, that's who we are because of who he is. Point number one, Jesus, it's who he is. Hey, by the way, Jesus is God. Imagine that, you know what I mean? Imagine that, you know, fully. You know, not just half, but just has to kind of, kind of debate the other half. You know, anyhow, so you catch what I'm throwing. Point number one. Uh, point number two, as far as the identity goes, he actually knows the real us. Think about how many times Jesus walking around Telling people their names. Hey, nice to meet you. My name's, <laughs> my name's you know, Cephas or whatever. Hey, no, your, name's Rock, your name's Peter. I'm like, okay. You know, or Simon. You know, it's like, it's like, listen, let me just change your name real quick. How, how many times did you meet people in the Old Testament change their names? You know what I mean? My name's Jacob. Wrestling around with them. You know what I mean? Your name's Israel now. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? My name's Abraham, man. No, it's a no, my name's Abram. Abram. 
It's like a, a redneck version of Abraham. Just, just one? My name's Abram. No, your name's Abraham. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he, he, he knows people more than that. Like, I'm introducing myself to you. It's like, yeah, no, I, I knit you together, buddy. You were in my mind, my intention, my heart. Jesus proves to us God is love. That's a hard verse to believe when you think of the bipolar Godhead that's been pushed down people's throat. But when you realize that God is actually love and he's covered us, it's like, oh, so, so he's the one who actually died for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Romans 12, 2 says, for the joy that was set before him. Like he was, he was overjoyed to go through the suffering that he went through so that you would be free. It's like, so that's what God's like. Yeah. God is like Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, the one who said like, come to me and I'll give you actual rest. The ancient way is actually rest. Take my yoke. You're carrying a bunch of burdens. You're not supposed to, but take my yoke and learn from me. For I'm actually gentle and I'm lowly in heart. See, this is God. I'm unapproachable. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm actually very approachable and I'm very gentle. So don't worry. Just come. What do they sing? Come and see. The disciples. first I was like, hey, man, uh, when they first met him, where do you stay? Where do you live at? He says, come and see. Come and see where I live. Come, live, come, come stay with me. He's opening his house. He's opening his doors. This is Yahweh. You know what I mean? The unapproachable light, the, you know, all these things. Yes, he's pure, he's holy, and he's, he's impeccably powerful, and, 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 and the fear of the Lord is a real thing, but it's like he's welcoming, gentle, and humble, and loving, and accepting. It's just like, man. It seems practical and simple, but it's not when, when you're dealing with brains that have been wired a completely different way through the doctrine of demons, a.k.a. bad teachings and just bad theology and the fruit of the poison of fall. Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 4 says, He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It's like in Christ is how he sees you because in Christ as a son is your true self. In the heavenly places in Christ, that's your true self, and he's actually giving you everything there. In your true self and in your true identity, you're on such alignment with the abiding of who he is just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. That's Ephesians 1, verse 3 and 4. It's like, what do you mean? He chose us before the foundation of the world, even that we should be holy and blameless before him. Like, this thing was settled in him before we had a chance to make a decision. He already chose us to be holy and blameless. Yeah, but we're going to mess up. Like, he, he knew mankind was going to take on another image. But it's like, he knew this and he still chose us in and before the foundation world. And not only does that mean he knew us and created us there, but he chose how he was going to cause us to be holy and pure and blameless before him. It's so brilliant. Revelation 13.8 says that, that, that the lamb was slain from the foundations of the earth. You know, and you have little verses like that. It's just like, hey, like this cross, this redemption, this, this um, Passover, his, his atonement for us was settled in his mind. He wasn't trying to decide if we were worth it. We were worth it when, when we were created in Him. You know, it's a different grade, man. It's a different way of looking. Everything was created. If, if Jesus is God, step number one. Step number two, God is actually love. Step number three might just be, or maybe not that order, but He's actually the creator as well, which means He created you. And everything that created, He created was actually created out of love. 
which means that your design and purpose was made with his full heart involved. He didn't, it wasn't like, well, I got a couple minutes before I clock out. Let me just let me just throw one of these DTs together real quick. He'll be all right and kick me out into the world. You know what I mean? He did he did a half the job on me, but he spent a lot of time on y'all. You know, he's like, we think this way sometimes. It's silly, but it is a mindset. It's like he's actually loved. Everything he did, he put his whole heart into. He does with diligence. Every single one of us. Everyone who listens to, to the sound of this podcast, to this voice, to this church, to this, everybody who hears this, and even the ones that don't, like he's made you intricately. He was fully invested in you when he created you. Such a brilliant thought. He gives us the gift of actual free will. There's no real love. There's no real ability to choose if there's not ability to free will. So he paid the price to give that beautiful gift, knowing it would cost him, not us. It would cost him, and he would give us the ability to love and to think and to reason. And to, you know what I mean? And he does this, and he shows us who his heart is, and he redeems us. and gives us the choice to walk back. Yeah. See, King David tapped into this reality in Psalm 139. I've, I've often thought about King David as, as like he was so incredibly confident, you know. And there's some reasons why, especially the way Samuel found him, because he knew God found him. He knew he didn't, he wasn't, you know, jockeying for position or, you know, in the right place at the right time. God made sure Samuel found him even when he was hidden. And his, and his future was kind of trying to be sabotaged. Um, so he knew no matter what of a mess up he was, he knew God picked him and went after him. And so that's something, but that's real for all of us. Yeah. And if you look at Psalm 139, it's 24 verses, but I think it's going to, maybe I'll kind of close in this direction. Um, but it kind of goes into this reality of Jesus and God being love and the creator and, and actually what it means to be in somebody who's an imager, seeing God as he truly is and coming to the understanding like, oh, okay, a lot of my life is actually the result of life. A lot of my personality, <laughs> you know what I mean, is, is a culmination of the results of the things I've gone through in this life. Some being good, many being negative. How many of you know, a lot of people walk around and, and their, their representation of who their person is, is a result of the hard things and the pain that they've went through in life. The rejections they've had, the abuse they've had, the you know, the pain that they've had. People carry these things. You know, well, no one's ever going to pick on me again. You know, I'm going to build myself up to the toughest looking dude I possibly can. You know, give me some creatine. Put a couple extra scoops in there. I'm going to, I'm really going to go for this thing, man. You know what I mean? Ain't nobody going to mess with me again. And we walk around like, dude, that dude's real tough. He's real. And, and God sees the guy and says, he's like me. He's gentle and lowly in heart. This arrogance, this puffed up, this aggressive, like, don't approach. Stay back. That's wound and pain. That's created an image. That's not my image. But I want in. Yeah. One example. Ask me how I know about that one. But don't judge me. Psalm 139. David's coming to this understanding. You know? Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought from afar off and comprehend my path and my laying down. It's like even the things 
we deal with in our thoughts, the things we struggle with, the things that are pains to us, the memories, the flashbacks, the, the issues. Man, I wish I would have done this. And the regrets we have. It's like, you understand my thoughts from far off. You understand what makes me tick, but also the things that are stealing my peace. And there's something to having this thoughtful processing of, of taking things captive in a mind that is connected to the Spirit of God, who gains understanding and walks in freedom from the things that plague them. I said, I'm going to read it all. Verse 5, you've hedged me behind and before me. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Psalm 139, verse, I'll say 7 and 8. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Behold, you're there. <coughs> Excuse me. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. In your right hand shall... It's like, wait a minute. Like, wait, wait, no, no, not in hell, man. That's the, that's the eternal place where you're going to... Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of part of the problem with that. But anyways... <laughs> anyways... What I'm saying is, David's like, there's no escaping you. Your goodness overtakes me and you love me no matter where I choose to abide. No matter how rebellious I am running away from you, I don't get, Jonah, I don't get away from you. You're not badgering. Your love is always there. Your redemption's always there. Remember that Romans 5? I think it was 18. Through one man, Jesus, centered everywhere. It's like you can't get away from it. You can't get away from the reality of his love, of his spirit. Pull my spirit on all flesh, son of a dog. Even there your hand will lead me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. In other words, I can run in the darkest place. I can run from you. I can put my mind in a depraved state. I can be as drunk or high and, and steeped in darkness and perversion as I possibly can, but it's like light to you. I can't. I can't leave you. The darkness shall not hide from you. The night shines as the day. You know why verse 13 says? For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mom's womb. I will praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, of course he is. He's a king. No, this is what we're coming to. Let rejection go from you. It's not you. You were fearfully and wonderfully. It was intricate. It was, it was with, with precision. It was by love himself who doesn't go halfway on anything. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they'd be more than the number of the saints. It's like, in other words, like God, like, you have the capacity to think about me all the time. You know, I feel like a bother. Well, you know, I haven't really been praying, but now I'm in a, I'm in a bind. I need to come after you. It's like, hey, man, so what? He was already thinking about you, hoping you would come to him. We can get up and preach, and many do, through the bipolar, angry Godhead mentality. Don't seek the Lord's hand. Seek his face, not his hand. Don't just come to him when you're in trouble. Come to him now, you know what I'm saying? There's some, there's some stuff there, but you know... In reality, and there's, you know, there's some steadfastness in, in the mature walk of the sons of God who are led of the Spirit of God, Romans 8 says. But, but in this reality, like the, his thoughts are always there for you. Yeah. Well, now I've really done it. 
Well, now he wants to help you out walk it out. He's never not there. David's seeing this about God. This is in the Old Testament. Yeah. But Acts does say David was a prophet, and he was. So, oh, that you would slay the wicked. Okay, then he gets a little sad. Oh, man. Depart from me, bloodthirsty. Bloodthirsty men. He's like, I hate your enemies with perfect hatred. There you go. They get a little Old Testament savagery in there. That's good. Verse 23. Psalm 139. Verse 23. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Yeah. And see if there is any wicked way in me. That's the New King James. But that word, that word, the root word of that word wicked is pain. If there is any way of pain that is within me, any hurtful way that is within me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That, that word right there, you know, on verse 24, lead me in the ancient way. We're going back. Stand by the roads and look. Right? Jeremiah 6, 16. And ask for the ancient paths and walk in them. That's the good way. Follow, follow the good one. And you'll have rest for your souls. Jeremiah wrote that after David had written this. So he had read this. But it was the Spirit giving it to him as well. But, you know, there's, there's a nod there. He's using this wordage, lead me in the ancient way. But you see this vulnerable place of, of connection between David and God where he's coming to say, it's like, hey, you know me better than I know me. You know me better than I actually know myself. He's, he's coming to this reality. God, you're actually creator. You actually put me together. You put my heart together. Your thoughts are for me. Fearfully and wonderfully. Like, like there was intention and love and purpose. And I want to fulfill the purpose. I have, I have, there's aspects of my person in my life that are not who I truly am. They are a result of the things that I've gone through. If there, if there is fears, anxieties in any way where pain has taken, taken root in me and caused me to manifest a person that you didn't create, that's not in your image, I ask you to search me out and lead me into the ancient way. Lead me into the pure form of who I truly was before time and space. And this is written for us. This is Christianity. This is the imagers of God. And now we've come to know Him and to see Him whose image we're created in. Yeah. And we can have the same connection to Him. You mean I'm supposed to be whole like you? My heart's supposed to be whole? My personality? I'm supposed to be gentle and humble and approachable and, and empowered constantly to give heaven away everywhere I go like you? That's how I'm supposed to walk? You're the firstborn of many brethren. That was for us? Oh my goodness. Well, that's not my reality. You know my reality. I found myself in you. I love, um, there's something David said in, in Psalm 17, 15. It says, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I will awaken in your likeness. And it's just like, huh? Like people, you know, he gets away with saying things as a king back then, but now we understand this reality. We want to be woke these days. We want to be awake, fully alive. The righteousness that Jesus has actually given to us, seeing him in his image. We, when we're awakened, it's because we're seeing him. 
I will awaken in your likeness. I know I don't know who I am, but when I'm fully awake, it'll look like you. I know this. We're on the other side of the covenant where we've seen what he looks like. His spirit's on the inside of us to lead us in the truth of who he is. Romans 8 says the spirit on the on the inside of us actually bears witness of the reality of the sonship or daughtership that, that he's on that. Like the spirit on the inside of us is actually convincing us of bearing witness of this reality of who we are. And we can allow him to pray through our mouth in our life and have the transforming of this reality. The edification, he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. It's like, listen, man, it's far more important than just being charismatic and weird. You know, this is real. And we can allow him to pray through this. We can allow this to settle into us. We can, we can have this connection with him like, oh, you mean you've accomplished this? Try me, test me. Know my anxieties. Instead of self-medicating my fears, drinking them away every night, turning a blind eye to them, the things that have, you know, in my pains and all these things, I, I allow you into them to actually pour your healing into them. Give me the understanding so that I separate myself from the identity that I'm not supposed to manifest, and I manifest yours. These are the sons of the... This is the power of the age to come that I'm speaking of. This is the power of those who are like Christ. This is what all of the creation, Romans 8 says, is groaning and longing for, the, for, the, for this, with eager expectation, it says, for the revealing of the sons of God. The people who will actually believe what he says and actually live this life of connection in communion with Him. Yeah, it's true. Identity. The importance of identity is our fellowship with Him. Once seeing Him as He is and then connecting to Him, even as David was doing here, connecting Him in our prayer, in our writings, in our fellowship. We said a lot of times at 1 John 1, 7, that He who walks in the light has fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ flows through them. You know what I mean? And cleanses them from sin. That's what 1 John 1, 7 says. Cleanses them from sin. Well, we know we've been forgiven of sin. Yeah, but it cleanses your actual DNA from the effects of the fall. And even from these false aspects of identity that we aren't to carry. Because we're walking with a people who have, who have esteemed this, this walk in the same way. Yeah. And they're holding each other to the very standard of this reality. We step into the fullness of resting in our true self. Taking on his yoke. Being created by him as his imager in the world, knowing him and seeing him as he is. We grow in this walk with him and with our brothers and sisters who are also committed to this walk. It's like King Uzziah last week. We talked about him. Ended up having leprosy, being cut off, living in isolation. Um, I've seen many people, even in the church, who are so insecure in their identity that they refuse relationship with where they're not in some sort of a dominant position. You know, I've seen it over and over again. And even people when sometimes mankind in the fallen state, when there's success in life, just like Uzziah, it's taken to a level where it's like, well, God's exalted me above people, <laughs> other people, like I'm a man or a woman, you know what I mean? And it's like, I've seen this type of person that, they control every relationship they're in. You know? 
If they can't be dominant, if they can't be on top, they won't be in a relationship. They won't be in fellowship. You know what I'm saying? And and it's they're actually just isolated, like lepers, and they bear no fruit. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but the reality is, this is not the way we're called to walk. Vulnerability, even the word, means you're vulnerable to being attacked. You know what I mean? But vulnerability and transparency and humility is the strength and power of God. To where if one is attacked, there's nothing to steal or attack. There's a confidence. In the fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence. That's what the proverb says. The reality that he's around and he's the protector. Like David said, you have me hedged behind and before. Your hand is laid upon me. It's just like, oh, okay. I can rest and be myself. This is the same guy that says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. It doesn't matter who's around. I can sit down and eat. This is a guy who people wanted to kill on the regular basis. And it's like, well, you prepare a table for me and tell me to sit down and have food. Like, you'll handle that. I'm not to be concerned this way. All of these aspects of our person, this defensiveness, this looking over our backs, whether it's a metaphor or literally, if you're a real, real gangster or something like that, but it's like whatever it is, we're called to walk in the freedom and confidence of the fear of the Lord that David was exuding here. You know, in the fellowship of, of true communion, community, koinonia, whatever you want to call it, where this blood flow flows. Not in relationships where we're only allowed to be around people where we're dominant, you know what I'm saying? That won't speak into us or won't touch the three things I decide to keep of darkness of mine, you know what I'm saying? That won't put me in check about the false identity that I'm living three days out of the week or two days or one day or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Not this. Somebody who's, who's got a posture with the Lord and even his body, but with the Lord saying, test me and know my... If there's a way of pain in me, I ask you to... I release forgiveness and I ask you to heal those spots of pain so they don't conform and twist my identity. I want my identity to be the one you designed to image you before the foundations of the earth. Amen. This is Christianity. And Jesus is God, by the way. Did I say that yet? <laughs> yeah, he is, so that's good. Yes, he's actually God. Not just, not just the little G. couple things I'll say closing up. I'm really closing. Just the, the messages. I was thinking about stepping into true identity. Uh, one thing about stepping into the true identity is stepping into this reality of who God made you. A lot of times that principle that I've said before about following the hunger, your hunger in the Lord. You know, it's like inspiration is one way he leads his people. Inspiration in him, the things which inspire you about him and the things he's leading you to is often directly in correlation with your true identity. Yeah. The things about him that inspire him. I love how he was so stealth. There's things about him that for me, he was, he was so, so powerful, yet he was so, so stealth and so humble all the time. He was constantly taking people that were have-nots. You know what I mean? He was taking blue-collar guys and making them champions of the world. Amen. He's done it through the Old Testament. You look at people like Gideon, you know what I'm saying, Jacob himself to, to Israel. Like the things which inspire hit me about God are the very things that make my heart sore. 
You know what I mean? Seeing people who maybe have been looked over step into that which is of the kingdom and take rightful place of position and function with the house of the God and with people and authority and power and like and succeed in life, like that fires me way up. But it's part of my DNA, my identity is created in me. And so the things that I see in him, I love. You know, I told you guys I was out there mowing that grass, you know, weeping for like a long time in front of people. Hopefully they didn't see me, you know, they had sunglasses on. But it's like, but it's like the people, the cloud of witnesses, these guys inspire me. Dreadlock John the Baptist inspires the absolute fire out of me. Samuel, Dreadlock Samuel, Nicole, is it okay? Uh, I mean, he he gave prophetic words that sh that shook all the Philistines and, and brought all the people of God and Israel back to, to worshiping him. The Ark of the Covenant was mailed around the Philistine cities and did war against them because of a prophetic word that Samuel did. You know what I mean? It's like, these type of things inspire me. Elijah inspires me. You know, oh, Harry Elijah, you know. It's just like the way he was able to stand. They lived outside of the, the system that was common, but they were in the, tech, the higher technology and brilliance of the kingdom of heaven. They'd come out of the wilderness as if they were just like, you know, nobodies, but they were heavenly representatives. And these people make me tick. You know, they inspire my heart. It's like, look at the things of the Bible, of the Lord Jesus, the things he did, the things people did that inspired you. And guess what? It's a part of you. It's a part of your identity. You know what I mean? You ever read a story when somebody was healed from something or something happened and, and, and it's just like makes you want to scream. It's like, hey, guess what? That's inside of you. That's your DNA finding its expression. You know what I mean? You like deliverance? I do, but if you see those type of things and you're like, ooh, that's fun, that light first darkness, it just makes me tick. Hey, guess what? Follow it. Seek it out. Start a couple fights. Not physical ones now. You know? Also, there's kingdom strategies within your circle of influence in the here and now that open the doors of life around you. So many times there's people, I was going to tell a story, but I'm going to think a little long. So, but there's so many times there's people and things that are in our circles of relationships in our life now, whether it's work or friends, that sometimes just being knowledgeable is like, oh, like, hey, I want, you know, tap you on the shoulder. Hey, I want you to do something about that. Or the Lord inside of you, the Spirit of God. Daddy's like saying, hey, oh, I was like, hey, I want to, I want to touch this. Let me out, let me out a little bit. Chase, pursue the Lord in all things. You know what I'm saying? Follow your hunger and inspiration in the Spirit. Pray and connect to Him. Write your heart out before Him. Speak your heart out before Him. I'm not saying you have to write. I think it's great. But, you know, you hear things from the Lord and you write them out, you're bringing something from the unseen realm into this realm. It's one of the ways you can do it. One of the very many, but it's one surefire way. But anyways, Jesus, man, it's him. He's him. Who, who knew? He's God. Brilliant. Well, Jesus, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the reality of your spirit on the inside of us, leading us into truth. You know, the very hope of glory, Christ in us, that we're not orphans. 
because of Abba, we've been created in the image of God. Help this reality. Even as it says in Romans 8, what you've literally come to do on the inside of us, Holy Spirit, we give you the permission. And we ask you even to, to, to bring this reality into every aspect of our being. You bear witness with our spirit that we are the beloved children of God. Lord, I ask that that witness would ring through every molecule, atom of our being, every aspect of our true identity. 